because creativity is inexhaustible and is the only human resource that is inexhaustible. Energy actually has a limit, but creativity doesn't. The more you work at your creativity, the more ideas you generate. Hey friend, it's David Dubinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Maria Brito. Uh, Maria is the author of a brand new book called How Creativity Rules the World. In this episode, you'll learn about how and why Maria transitioned from being a lawyer here in New York City um, to how she's been building her portfolio around the art world um, and creating content and courses, uh, finding her own little niche and lane and really expanding it from there um, and now culminating into this book. You also learn a lot of insightful takes and stories around creativity that you'll be able to bring into your uh, work as well. Um, as always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCurrentPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Maria. Maria, welcome to the show. Hi, David. I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. You really, you cannot imagine how thrilled I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, you know, I kind of have a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a confession, but I'm curious to get your take on this. Like for the last, I would say only the last couple of years have I thought I've been creative. Um, but like, you know, so much more of my life, I didn't really, you know, I was kind of like stick, stick drawer and, you know, but I'm starting to feel a little bit more creative a little bit. And I'm curious to get your take on um, you know, why only in the last couple of years I might feel like I'm creative. I think it's because you had time to think and you had time to be, which for the longest time, us humans have not had a chance to breathe. So for those who have had the same feeling, you know that the pandemic brought the relief unfortunately through that situation that we needed as a society to have a little bit of a break and sit down with our thoughts and our spaces and uh, have a moment, right? To reflect and a direct consequence of that is that I'm not sure if you know this, but 10 million new applications for businesses have been filed in the United States between 2020 and 2021, which is an unprecedented number, have never seen anything like that before. And uh, obviously, a lot of people were let go. But, you know, one thing is you were let go, and then you cried on the floor and whatnot. Or the other thing is like, actually, that's a great thing because now I can start my business and other people thought, well, let me just go myself because this is the time to either reinvent myself, do something much better, take my foundation and elevate it to the next level. And that is all part of being creative, right? Is coming up with ideas of value that are relevant for today. So absolutely. I understand why you feel creative. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think what's, uh, and we'll talk about your book, but I think it's the also around kind of like the story of what is, what is being creative mean or not. And I think for me, it's probably, you know, a lot of tied is, is, is kind of tied to the podcast in terms of like, you know, having amazing conversations and putting ideas out there. But, you know, I think that has really helped, but it's, you know, I think the definition of what being creative, unless you're kind of the, 
the artist, so to speak, was it was kind of the story that I was telling myself a little bit. Well, you know, the word creativity has always had a connotation, at least in modern times, with people who are in the arts or people who are in fields where they create things like fashion or products that are, you know, beautiful and that, you know, the utilitarian, whatever, right? But the, 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 the true meaning of the word creative really is to have ideas of value that you can materialize that are improvements of what already exists. You know, Steve Jobs used to say, and rightfully so, that there is really nothing new. You're just improving on what already exists. And it doesn't matter if you're an accountant or if you are a dentist or if you're a lawyer or if you are a gardener, right? It doesn't really matter as long as you use those ideas to create new things within your business or career that can propel you forward. And people will label you as a creative because you can differentiate yourself because you find opportunities in the marketplace that other people are not really seeing because they are distracted or because they don't have the inclination. So I really am a huge proponent of the concept of creativity for everybody. And it's not only possible, but it is necessary because it is one of those things, an amalgamation of skills that can for sure predict success in any profession, even if you are in a company as an employee or if you have your own business, because it is, um, you know, it is it is this again, combination of skills that is good for everything, for decision-making, is good for reacting at a short moment. For example, improvisation is a creative skill. And so having the ability to improvise at a short moment notice or like being able to come up with something suddenly is part of being creative, right? And all those things can be worked, right, individually, and, and in teams as well, but let's start with, you know, each person can actually work on those skills and, you know, implement habits every day to become more creative, more innovative, and ultimately reap the benefits, which can be, for the most part, in the form of more money, obviously, and uh, but also there are a ton of other different incredible benefits of being creative, which is it ranges from more fulfilling relationships to, you know, the ability to have also pride in your work and what you do, the desire to be all the time, you know, engaged in, in, in your activities. And I mean, there are things that all of us business owners feel that there are drudgeries, right? Like you don't want to do things. And like, I, you know, I have to train people. And sometimes that's really hard for me because I rather be just like inventing things and whatnot. But I always know that there will be a time in my day for me to do this creative activities and things that are fascinating to me that I still have all these ideas because creativity is inexhaustible and is the only human resource that is inexhaustible. Energy actually has a limit. Uh, creativity doesn't. The more you work at your creativity, the more ideas you generate and the more you get at materializing those ideas. And that's why it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that a company like Apple keeps innovating because they have people that are always and constantly being pushed for that, right? Like they play with the narrative. Nobody ever says that cannot be done. 
right? Nobody ever says, and you, by the way, keep thinking inside of your little box, right? Like that's not how Apple works. That's not how Tesla works. That's not how Google works, right? And if companies as big and wow, gigantically as you know they are can do that, then one human being that is nimble can really do a lot of incredible things because you don't need to ask for permission and you don't really need to have self-censorship, which is another thing that is terrible about how we have been living our lives conditioned by societal impositions that are not true. I mean, like these are things that people end up internalizing because of social media or because of, you know, whatever their parents said and, you know, the world before and, and whatnot. But none of those things are relevant anymore. You know, I think that I always ask my students when they take my creativity class or or I ask friends, you know, I said, well, that idea that you're thinking about that you have taking yourself in and out of it a million times. Why is that? Is it illegal or is it against the laws of nature? Because if those answers are both no, I don't see a reason why you're not pursuing it, right? I mean, and uh, I think that's, a, that's the test, right? If you are considering something and you are, wow, no, yes, you know, hesitant. And, you know, is it really going to be something that is going to send, the, send you to jail? Or is it something that like, you know, is going to really cause harm because you're going to jump out of the window, you know, waiting for wings to like, you know, pop from your back and they didn't. So if none of those, then please go ahead and try. Please go ahead and try. Um, well, listeners are going to have to listen to the full episode. If they want to pause, they can pause <laughs> and then they can go try something. But you know, there's, there's plenty more of incredible insights on creativity uh, that we're going to talk about. But if they need to go right now, uh, to go execute them, that that's fine. This 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 time we'll give them excuse to to pause. But usually, you know, I encourage people to listen to the whole, whole entire episode. But, um, you know, I heard a, I heard a couple of different threads there. One, which I think is one that you talked about in your book, which is kind of the more work you do, the more original it will be. And I think that was an Andy Warhol yes um, story. Uh, can you maybe talk to us a little bit of how you know sometimes I think people may think like, oh, I'm just kind of going through the motions or I'm keep doing things. And then like, you only have like the work's going to get worse. Uh, can you maybe talk to us about the benefits of kind of developing a creative practice or a habit and how that may uh, improve the quality of work and some of the benefits from it? Yeah, that's uh, the chapter is called repetition, right? And, and uh, you know, it's like the oxymoron, the oxymoron of saying the more you do something, the better and more original it gets, because the truth is that we tend to think that the more you do something, the more, uh, I don't know, I would say pedestrian or boring it, it gets, right? But this goes alongside the concept of having a practice and a routine that you have already developed and that it works for you, but you have to continuously push yourself to break things through that routine, right? And so the example of Warhol is fantastic because this guy, what he found is that by utilizing other methods like screen printing, he could do anything he wanted faster. In fact, I was just talking to a friend today and I uh, thought about that phrase that he said, Warhol said when he discovered that he could sell art by using a screen print and basically speeding up all the process, 
he he told someone it was all so chancy and so easy like he himself was like i can't believe i found this thing and it's actually making me a multimillionaire many times over and the thing is that it that can apply to anything right if you are an ad designer or a marketing person right you already know that the job is to make ads and to engage people right and so how do you play with what already exists and how do you break the expectations also is by, you know, keep doing the thing that you're doing, right? And it has to get better at some point if you are open to experiment, if you're open to play with variables, if you're open to, you know, to, perf I, I don't like the word perfect, but I, I think to excel at something and then kind of like, break away from it right and and that is part of the willingness to to take chances the willingness to improvise which is also a very important concept and I was uh, talking about that before because once you have played with certain things and mediums and methods and practices then you have the right foundation to actually become a little wild, right? And then more and more wild and, and wilder and wilder, right? Because you have already mastered something to a certain degree. And once that exists, you want to play with all of the things. And that's also like how Jackson Pollock did his experimentations with, you know, the drip paintings, because this guy was not doing that. And then he's like, let me see if I can play with placing this canvas on the floor. And instead of using a brush, I'm going to use all this, you know, sticks, and I'm going to just throw the thing and, you know, move around the painting and become sort of like me energetically on top of the painting. And that is also, you know, uh, it's the principle used by all these other companies too, to not get stuck, right? Like they already know how to do certain things excellently well, but how do you not get stuck in one thing is to experiment with the variables, with the things, you know? And I love for people to start these projects with the premise, what if, right? Because that allows people to open doors that they did not consider before. And same thing with like inventive chefs and people in kitchens and like, you know, what if we mix, you know, salty and savory and, and sweet and, you know, and we add Mexican ingredients with French cuisine, right? Like, I mean, that that is the, that the, those type of experiments are the ones that people remember, are the ones that become successful because they break away from the ordinary. And obviously those people started not like that, right? Like, I mean, people who experiment start with a basic foundation that they get to repeat time and time again until they are good at it. And then they start adding all the things and changing elements and moving things around. But obviously repetition is, is really how you get there in the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, for me with, with the podcast, it was, what if I talked to my roommate as, for, as my first interview and started a podcast that way? And then, you know, I really do think the repetition, it's been, you know, weekly show for three and a half years. And I think uh, those first couple episodes compared to now, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> tons of learnings from those, those prior ones. Um, and, you know, like definitely more confidence and more 
um, you know, have diff tried different formats and things like that. In addition to sharing my own story and my own ideas uh, that I didn't probably feel that comfortable in the beginning. You also talked about kind of reinvention and, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, that's a topic that many of us are, have like regularly been thinking about for, you know, pretty much like consistently over the last two years. Talk to us a little bit about your uh, reinvention from corporate attorney to, to kind of where you are now. Well, that, that is also one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book and bring that story because I basically went from being a corporate attorney, which was a miserable career for me and for a lot of attorneys, honestly, but I was like, no, this is just can't, my life cannot be circumscribed to this misery. And, um, I had already practiced for nine years before I quit. And uh, that basically had allowed me to have a very, very stable job. It, it paid extremely well. Lawyers in, New York, lawyers in New York City made a lot of money in big law firms. And I had all sorts of perks and bonuses and, you know, fantastic things that sound fantastic, but they are really more like enslaving tools, the truth is. And uh, I was... Uh, I was a very creative child and I was a singer performer. And when things started to become sort of like professional for me as a child, my parents were like, there's no way, like, lol, you're not going to be a singer. You're going to be an attorney. You're going to be a doctor or an engineer. Choose, right? So, you know, it's like pretty much I, I had that moment where I sold out on my dreams. I was too young to actually kind of like decide that I wanted to leave my family and like become, you know, so, and, uh, you know, I was, first of all, miserable. And that is already a signal that you can't really spend your life doing something you hate because it's, it's counterproductive for your health. And it is something that manifests, you know, in many different ways in anger and uh, sadness. And you don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. And the other thing is, I thought that there was something so much better waiting for me. That was a combination of I, that I could use the artistic skills that I had as a child, not as a singer, but because I consumed a lot of art when I was little. And then when I moved to New York after law school, I started going to all these galleries and I had recommended friends to my artists. This artist became hot. And so my my friends would jokingly say, you know, you should do that for a living. You, sh you have such an eye for these aesthetics and things and like is intuitive. You should do it. And so you know, I was paying attention to the marketplace and I was going to art fairs and, you know, these gallery openings. And I was noticing the people who do the job that I do right now, which is an art advisor. I advise collectors on what to buy for their walls and how to build our collections with financial, you know, uh, financial upside and things like that. And I noticed that the people who did that job were very boring they were very serious and they were almost transactional. Like they did not have any desire to educate their clients deeply or they did not want to become curators of the art collections. It was just like you buy, get a commission next, right? And that gave me a hint that I could do that job better because I have a passion for education too. And I have... Uh, I see all my clients also as friends and I, 
uh, over the liver always. And I said, well, how can I actually bring all these things together and offer them to my clients? And, you know, the thing is, like, thank God I did not overanalyze all the things because I would have never opened the business, right? Because I had two huge challenges. One is I'm going to become the CEO of a business and I have to have a business that works as a business. And number two, the challenge was, and I need to learn a new industry from scratch, right? And I did not let any of those things stop me, even though I spent a lot of time thinking what was going to be my exit from the law firm. And I think that people get paralyzed, you know, with fear. And I understand why, because once you have gotten comfortable in a place, it is very difficult to feel that fire inside of you again to do something so outrageously different as I decided to do. And I also think, obviously, people are afraid of losing their income. Uh, People, I mean, there are hundreds of reasons, and they are all very valid. But I, you know, I I took that chance. And obviously, it worked out because it's been 13 years, and you and I are talking about that. And the business grew and grew and grew. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm only thrilled and very grateful that I took that chance on myself and that I build the business from scratch and that I I'm doing something that every day I wake up and I'm so excited to do it. And I think that for people who are considering a reinvention and they potentially feel that doing something as radical as I did, or it might not be that they want to do that, but if they were to be looking at a different industry, I would like to recommend them to start doing some consulting on the side to see if that works for them, to see if they like it. And my second advice is to have confidence and believe that being an outsider, if you are interested in in going to a different industry, being an outsider is actually a positive thing because you know, the majority of industries that have been disrupted is almost always an outsider because you have a different perspective. And that actually is one of the greatest creative skills is having a perspective that is not that of the one who is the mega expert, right? So it's having this perspective and it's having the you know, the willingness to ask questions and the willingness to continuously open up new things because you are so curious about this new area. And uh, that's also one of the things that Elon Musk did when he when he uh, incorporated a SpaceX is is that he knew he was not a rocket science uh, scientist and he knew that that was not his area of expertise, but he had questions. The questions were like, why is so expensive to send a man to outer space in the United States to the extent that the US has to pay Russia to put man in their rockets, right? Like, because it was so expensive to do it from here. And so he kept asking the questions and gathering people and placing phone calls. And, you know, like after he finished all the research, whatever time it took, there was absolutely no reason other than the markups that were charged by the contractors and subcontractors who worked at uh, for, you know, NASA made these things so onerous that, you know, they were impossible 
so that was one of the reasons. I mean, yes, he's always loved science fiction and he feels Mars is the next destination and whatnot. But in the process, he already solved a problem that was incredibly complicated for the U.S. and embarrassing to, to say to Russia, I can't send my man to outer space. So it's like in, in a bigger scale, it's him. And in a smaller scale, it's me asking the questions of why everybody in the art world was snob and not educating their clients and why nobody 13 years ago was blogging about artists and about exhibitions and art fairs and why nobody was writing guidelines on how to navigate the art world with ease and confidence. And I was like, I'm going to do this because nobody's doing it. And these people are too concerned about their commissions and all this other world of social media with well, millennials were really young back, but you know, all this world of social media is up for grabs and all the, you know, the only thing that existed was Facebook and Twitter and my blog was in a horrendous platform called blogger, which is still exists, but you know, of course I kill that because it was so embarrassing too like it was so ugly but I said I don't care if it's ugly because this is going to take a message out to people and I'm going to invite them to see things through my eyes and if they become clients great that's not the objective the objective is actually to educate them and that is how I build my community and my audience and I could not be more proud and happy about all that because I was a pioneer of that world of taking images and like before Instagram existed I was already photographing <laughs> art and artists you know and working with them in a way that not only it helped a lot my own expertise which I built with them but it also helped me differentiate myself from the other ones. And that is what you always want to do is you want to be different so that the competitors are never really even that close to you because you're always one step ahead. Yeah. So, and that goes back to the benefit of being the outsider, right? You kind of go into this new industry, you're, you know, t taking chances, you're developed, you know, you co come there with your point of view, kind of follow it, your intuition, et cetera. It, it, and it seems like your energy and your kind of excitement for what you're doing kind of really, you know, people were really like feeling that energy. And um, I think in the book, you highlighted a really interesting story. Sometimes I talk about how people are kind of one email away. Um, if you're up for it, I would love to hear the story about uh, getting Gwyneth Paltrow's attention and, and kind of collaborating with her. I thought that was a great story in the book. Yeah, you know, I, so I had uh, this friend who is friends with Gwyneth and now we are all friends, right? But at the time I was not. So I had just left, the, I mean, I had left the law firm and I had opened the business and I had just had a baby and I had two babies back to back. It was, I did everything at the same time, the truth is. And I was talking to my friend about how exciting was my business and what I was doing and like, wow, it's incredible and, you know, whatever. And she's like, you know, I think that you should meet Gwyneth because she loves people like you who are so curious and, you know, open-minded and, you know, the, the passion. It was all the passion because honestly, I didn't even know what I was doing. You know, it was all the, no, that's the truth. I just was incredibly passionate. So, so she did, she introduced me to her 
And I told her with the same passion what I was doing. And so obviously, if I would have seen her on the street and jumped at her, it wouldn't have been the same. But I was being introduced by someone else who thought I was legit. Right. And and, you know, so I, I told her that that my mission was to help people collect art and that my mission was to help them to do it at any level that it was not for the rich and it was not, you know, just for the elite, that it was something that literally was up for grabs because of, you know, how very little people were actually demystifying the art world and explaining to people how to collect, where to find things that were from emerging artists with potential of growth. And, and she was fascinated by it, right? So I sent her an envelope to her apartment in New York when she still had that apartment in New York with a bunch of notes and things. And I had written an article for Forbes and I sent her a copy of that. And, and, you know, I mean, some like a month or two, I don't know, went by and I was like, okay, well, you know, whatever, I forgot. And then one day, I think it was a Thursday, I see that I have a missed call on my phone and I listened to the voicemail and it was like, hey, Maria, how are you? It's Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm back in New York and I got your envelope and I am so excited because I would love for you to write a story for Goop. And that was when Goop was once a week green email with a green background that was sent from Gwyneth's kitchen. And I, I mean, I wrote back, call her back. I mean, I, I, I call her back. I don't even know what it was. Did I call her back or I email her? I don't really know. I think I call her. I call her back. And I mean, she's very good at this, right? Like it was like a 30 second phone. I mean, she like, she's like, yes, we're good. We're going to do this. And amazingly, she didn't want to keep me on the phone. Uh, after all, she's a, an Oscar winning actress. Like she knows how to do these things. Right. And so I was like, okay. And I went like crazy to write that story. It was like 10 pages, but I was so pumped. I finished them super quickly and I sent them to the editor and like it came out maybe two or three weeks. I mean, that was so easy that it's incredible how things are today. Like literally, I just spoke with one of the editors at Goop and they told me, yeah, we'll publish this like in four months, <laughs> you know, something like that. And I was like, what? So it, things were easy. And I, again... Since I had already started doing the blogging and writing these articles, right, that gave me the impetus to say to her, I can do something for you along the same lines, right? Because at the time, what Goop was and continues to be in a way is like they want to demystify things or they want to talk about things that are taboo. And really, the art world was very mysterious back in, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It continues to be, but less so. And so she gave me that opportunity and really it was incredible. The amount of things that came out of that, you know, newsletter and the opportunity she gave me is something that I just can't ever repay her, you know? Um, and yes, and we all became friends and like a couple of years later, she was photographed for the cover of InStyle because it was her 40th birthday. And she said that my story was one of the top 10 stories of the whole history of Goop, which was not that old. It was five years old, but, but it had, had hundreds of stories. So the, I was like, like even more floored by the whole thing, you know, and uh, the truth is, listen, I don't have 
like connections I have are my connections. I am not married to, you know, a celebrity. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, my parents don't live here. I am from Venezuela. I was an attorney because people are going to say, oh, yes, because, you know, your connections, what connections? I mean, like what I'm saying is that you have to want to do your things and that you have to take chances. Right. And the chance that I took was that I, I was telling my friend and my friend was excited because I was exuding all this passion for my new career and it was palpable. And so that is actually that kind of fire and that willingness to be different is what took me to Gwyneth. And it has it take it took me to many, many other people. That's just one example. But I think that people who are listening, you know, don't get tripped up with the idea that. I had these connections and I had money and I had, no, I mean, it, it happened because I was super thrilled and it was noticeable from a mile away that I was excited and that I was doing this for greater good and for my clients and for the audiences and that I was living the mission of the business as a person. So if you can do that, there's no way you can fail. <laughs> wow. A mic drop. It's, it's uh, what a beautiful story. And, you know, clearly it seems like Gwyneth probably saw a ton, you know, in addition to the energy, but saw a lot of other great things uh, in you and stuff. And that's just, uh, it's crazy where, you know, some of those little small projects are small, you know, where things go and you just kind of never know. Um, so it's such a great idea to continue to follow your, your own ideas and you never know. And so, you know, your ideas have led to the uh, course and it's led to uh, a book. Is there anything else that you want to uh, leave listeners with as they're kind of building out their portfolio careers that are, you know, uh, is there anything else, Maria? And if not, would love to tell people a little bit more about the book and, and uh, how they can stay in touch. Yeah, I just think that because like, go, let's go back to where we started with why people uh, had a chance to think better what they wanted to do with their lives throughout the pandemic. Let's go back to that point and make sure that people schedule time every day to be in silence and to just be whatever you want to call it. I don't like to label it too much as meditation because that scares people and whatever that they have to empty their minds and be in like an infrared sauna with incense and things like that, right? Like a lot of people uh, and Buddhas and, you know, there's nothing wrong with all those things. They're wonderful, but it, you don't need that. I think that as we sort of like reintegrate ourselves into a pseudo life uh, that it's probably never going to look like it was before, but what it is, I think that we get more and more uh, absorbed by noise, by life by distractions and that strangles creativity little by little so my my two cents for the end is for people to please allow themselves your ideas to come to you by using time in silence alone whether also a walk without having to be listening to a podcast, not this one, of course, but, you know, uh, and music and uh, news and whatever. So allow yourself time to be every day and you will really see miraculous ideas and incredible breakthroughs and aha moments. And you will see more and more the more you spend time in silence and alone. 
Love it. And uh, so people can check out the book and uh, what's the best way to, to stay in touch? Well, people can check out the book, How Creativity Rules the World is anywhere. Books are sold everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local independent bookstore, anywhere. And people can find me at mariabrito.com. That's B-R-I-T-O.com. And uh, there are all sorts of links to social media and to uh, there is a form that people can fill out if they want to email me. And there are links to subscribe to my newsletter, whatever. Just, you know, go to mariabrito.com if you want to be in touch or if you're intrigued by any of this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maria. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. I love being with you here today. Thanks. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.